dark, dirty, unwashed nether regions of the Rust Belt, we ask you to occupy your mind. So I want to talk about a conspiracy theory that occurred nearly a hundred years ago. And many people believed in this conspiracy theory, but of course the majority of people did not believe in it. They dismissed it. It was crazy. It was a crazy idea, but there were people who believed in this conspiracy theory. And it went something like this. A man in Europe, it happened in Europe back in the 1930s. He and some other folks had a plan to take over the world and they wanted in particular to wipe out an entire race of people. That was the conspiracy theory, basically. And it sounded crazy, right? Like, what? You know, he, he, he plans on, on wiping out an entire race of people. There were rumors that he was torturing people and doing all kinds of really horrible, atrocious things to people, that he was taking small children and putting them in gas chambers and, and killing them off. It was crazy. And of course, most sensible people didn't believe in it. They dismissed it as a wacky conspiracy theory. Now, I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Elie Wiesel, he wrote a book called Night, and he talks about this conspiracy theory. And I'm going to read you a little bit of this book. History lesson! I just had to say that because this is going to be a little bit of a history lesson. Because I have some interest in history, and it's so interesting, especially when history repeats itself over and over and over again. If we don't study history, we are doomed to repeat it. I really believe that. So let's read a little bit about this, because this took place way back when, almost 100 years ago, actually, when this happened. Now, a wonderful person posted this book on Google Docs. Oddly enough, I've already read the book. But it's great to have it on Google Docs. If you can't get a hold of the book, it's online. Somebody posted the entire text as a PDF. Now, I apologize in advance if I'm mispronouncing names here. I'm going to do my best. Ellie Wiesel, who wrote Night, was a victim of this conspiracy theory nearly a hundred years ago. He writes, and I'm going to read some excerpts from his book, Night. Quote, One day, all foreign Jews were expelled from Siget, the town, the town, uh, Unquote. This is the town where Elie Wiesel grew up, which was uh, in Romania. Siget was the town where he grew up in Romania. Moisha, the beetle, was Elie Wiesel's mentor, a man who gave him advice. He was older, and Moisha was a man who Elie went to, to to talk to about things and to get advice on things. So one day, all foreign Jews were expelled from Siget, and Moisha, the beetle, was a foreigner. So he was, unquote, so he was arrested along with some other people. So the Nazis came in and they arrested just foreign Jews, not all Jews, just some people, certain people. Okay, so they started out gradually, you know, they just picked on a few people, not everyone. Quote, crammed into cattle cars by the Hungarian police, they cried silently. Standing on the station platform, we too were crying. The train disappeared over the horizon. All that was left was thick, dirty smoke. Behind me, someone said, sighing, What do you expect? That's war. The deportees were quickly forgotten. A few days after they left, it was rumored that they were in Galicia working and even that they were content with their fate, unquote. So the Nazis came in and arrested a few people, but not all, based on their racial background, essentially. These were, quote-unquote, foreign Jews, people who were from another country, another ethnic heritage, were just arrested. And they were quickly forgotten. 
just a few days after they left, it was rumored they were in Galicia working and that they were even content with their fate. So they were happy and content. Wiesel goes on to say, quote, days went by, then weeks and months. Life was normal again. A calm, reassuring wind blew through our homes, unquote. So people just forgot about it, you know? Some people were just arrested, taken out of their town for no reason, and people just forgot about it. This is human nature, people. This is human beings. This is how we are as humans. People are very complacent. And this was back in the 1930s, long before that TV set was there blaring in people's faces, conditioning people to be passive and sit there and have information fed at them. Back in the 1930s, people were reading books. Still, they were thinking more. A lot of these people were educated people, and yet, yet, very complacent. But then something happened. Moishi managed to return back to Eli Wiesel's town. Quote, One day as I was about to enter the synagogue, I saw Moishi, the beetle, sitting on a bench near the entrance. He told me what had happened to him and his companions. The train with the deportees had crossed the Hungarian border and once in Polish territory had been taken over by the Gestapo. The train had stopped. The Jews were ordered to get off and onto waiting trucks. The trucks headed towards a forest. There, everybody was ordered to get out. They were forced to dig huge trenches. When they finished their work, the men from the Gestapo began theirs. Without passion or haste, they shot their prisoners, who were forced to approach the trench one by one and offer their necks. Infants, babies, were tossed into the air and used as targets for the machine guns, So the Nazis tossed babies in the air and then shot at them like they were moving targets. This is what the Nazis did. This is what they did to people. But guess what? People didn't believe this was going on. The Jewish people didn't believe when they were warned of this. They didn't They didn't believe it. They thought it was a wacky conspiracy theory. Quote, this took place in the Galician forest near Kolome. How had he, Moishi the beetle, been able to escape? By a miracle. He was wounded in the leg and left for dead. Unquote. So the Nazis thought he was dead, but he wasn't. So as soon as they left the area, he snuck out and crawled back to the town to warn the people of the town. The Nazis are coming for you next. This is what they did to us. They shot us, made us dig our own graves, shot us, and threw us in the graves. This is what they did, and they're going to come back for you. And people laughed at him. They thought he was crazy. He was a wacky conspiracy theorist. You know, it's just, it's hard to believe because most of us are nice people. We don't have a desire to take over the world. We don't want to hurt anybody, most of us. We don't want to have control over other people. We don't want to dominate other people and tell other people how to live their lives. So it's hard for us to understand that there are people in this world who do. And guess what? They get into positions of power very easily because they are so selfish and ruthless psychopathic, sociopathic people, narcissistic people, they tend to get into positions of power much more quickly than the rest of us can because they are so ruthless and cutthroat. It's just easier for them. They don't have any qualms. They don't have any moral standards. They just go for it. You know, nothing stops them from getting success and from getting power. And they're, they're just laser focused on having that power over other people. That's what's important to them. So we have a lot of corrupt people in power, and we always have throughout human history. 
for this reason, because those kinds of people, psychopathic people tend to crave power and they can be very attractive. They can have great charisma and be very convincing. And anytime anybody points the finger at them and says, these people are bad, we should not support them. Guess what? They get called conspiracy theorists. <laughs> you know? How can you say that about Bill Gates? He's such a nice guy. He wants to help us. Yeah. Okay. So here's the part that I find to be fascinating. Okay. From this story is how people just lined up and stuck their necks out and let themselves get shot one by one. Okay. Now they were surrounded by Nazis and possibly who had machine guns who could have just gunned them all down all at once, right? And that was a scary situation to be in. But when you see the people ahead of you getting shot, you know you're going to get shot too. You're going to die anyway. They're going to kill you anyway. So why not turn around and lunge at them and give them a hard time, you know, and try to get the gun away from them? Because maybe one of you could get the gun away from one of the Nazis and start shooting them and stop them or at least slow them down. And even if you all end up getting killed, you've made it harder for them. And maybe even gotten a few of them killed as well. But that's not what people did. They just stood there passively, lined up passively, stood in front of the grave, stuck their necks out, and let themselves get shot and dumped in this grave. That's what people did. And you know what? This is not unique. This is not unique to that time. It's not unique to those people. We all do this. And there are numerous examples from history and from current events that show that people will be very passive. In some ways, again, that's a good thing because it means that people tend to not be violent. People tend to be to be nonviolent. You know, it doesn't occur to a lot of people to just lunge at those Nazis and, and fight them, right? And of course, if they believed the conspiracy theories, the rumors that were spreading at the time, if they believed those rumors, maybe they would have been prepared, right? but they didn't even take the time to prepare themselves for what was about to happen because they just refused to believe it. It was too it was too difficult, it was too painful to believe. Now, another example of this kind of behavior, um, you know, some people will call it Stockholm syndrome, you know, the way in which victims of torture start to admire the torturers because the torturers have power. And so people are thinking, "Hey, you have power, you must know better than I do," right? And we're of course we're being told taught that. We're being ingrained to think that way with the the whole this is science rhetoric. We're supposed to worship scientists and we're supposed to we're supposed to believe that all scientists think the same way. In fact, intelligent people tend to disagree all the time. That's a part of being an intelligent person. You will engage in critical thinking and critical thinking means questioning, questioning everything. If you are a critical thinker, you're not going to believe everything you hear. You're going to question it and say, wait a minute, is I like that person a lot. I admire that person a lot, but maybe they're wrong about this. I'm not sure if that's true. Anyway, so the same thing does happen with battered women. The kinds of women who tend to think that men are better, men are stronger, they're smarter, they're better. You need a big strong man to protect you because the world is a frightening place. The women who are com consumed with fear, very frightened of being on their own, who think that they're inadequate and competent, they can't handle life on their own, they need a man to protect them, to take care of them. Those are the women who are more likely to put up with physical abuse from men. And those are the women who tend to defend those men when someone calls the police and the police show up at the door and try to stop the man from murdering his wife, <laughs> those are the wives who will say, oh, he's my husband. I love him. Please don't arrest my husband. Everything's fine. Yes, he tries to kill me on a regular basis, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Again, and this is not just women. This is not Jewish people. This is not 
people from the 1930s. This is not people from Europe. This is all of us, okay? And we need to get outside of our egos and just realize that this is human nature. We all do this. We have a tendency to look up to authority figures and to do what we're told. And I think it's really important if we don't want to repeat history, we need to learn from this. It's very important to learn from this history. Please, people, let's not dig our own graves. Let's not stick our necks out and let somebody just shoot us and throw us in the graves that we've dug. Let's at least fight back. Can we at least do that? Because Hitler's ideas are alive and well. I'm telling you this right now. Things are not what they seem. Turn off the TV set and just start learning about this stuff independently, talking to people independently, and looking around you and thinking about it yourself. Just consider that what they're telling you on that TV set, on that radio, and those the mainstream media sources you're looking at, consider that they might not be telling you the truth about some things, and that the rumors or the conspiracy theories might have some truth in them. That some people might be manipulating you, playing games with your mind. Let me just continue with the reading here. Yes, I'm reading to you. It's a bedtime story. Actually, you probably shouldn't be listening to this if you're getting ready to go to sleep right now. <laughs> this is not very pleasant. I would listen to this during the day, you know, right before you're about to do something great, something that's cheerful, so you don't get, so you don't feel too bad. Because this is kind of depressing. It's dark, but we need to know about this because this is history. Again, if we don't learn about history, we are doomed to repeat it. And I think this is a big part of our problem as a society, at least here in the United States. We have too many people who don't know anything about history. Anyhow, let me just continue this story. Here's what happened to Moshe. So he crawled back to the town to warn the Jews that this is what happened, that the Nazis had them all lined up, shot them, threw babies in the air and shot, shot at them. People just found it to be so hard to believe. You know, they just couldn't believe him. And so they ignored him. Now, imagine if people had not dismissed him as a wacky conspiracy theorist. Imagine how they could have planned to all get together and leave, leave the area, vacate the area, and get to get away from the Nazis, or to thwart the Nazis when they, when they showed up. And, you know, they could have made a plan to, to capture them. They could have saved themselves, but they didn't. They didn't. And guess what? When the war ended, when World War II ended, and it was revealed to the world what the Nazis had done, many German people said that they didn't know. They didn't know. I read somewhere that Hitler's own private secretary claimed that she didn't know what Hitler and the Nazis were doing. They had no idea that all these atrocities were committed. Really? How could they not have known? I'll tell you how they could not have known. Because they heard about it, they just didn't believe it. They thought it was wacky conspiracy theory. Now, I'm not saying that everything that people say is conspiracy theory is true. Everybody has an opinion on something, and sometimes people say things that are kind of crazy and wacky. We can't believe everything we hear. But what I am saying is you need to consider if someone is an intelligent, rational person, like a Judy Mikovits, for example, or Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Those are intelligent, well-educated people. So you don't have to agree with everything that they say, but you can consider that maybe there's some truth in what they say, and at least give them a chance to speak and listen to them and look up the information that they present and see if what they're saying is true. Anyway, let's continue our story. So we're on page seven now. I'm just going to read. I'm obviously not going to read the whole book to you, <laughs> but I'm going to read some important parts. Page seven. Okay. So here's what happens to Moishi. Quote, day after day, night after night, Moishi went from one Jewish house to the next, telling his story and that of Malka, the young girl who lay dying for three days, and that of Toby, the tailor who begged to die before his sons were killed. Moishi was not the same. The joy in his eyes were gone. was gone. 
He no longer sang. He no longer mentioned God or Kabbalah. He spoke only of what he had seen. But people not only refused to believe his tales, they refused to listen, unquote. So they wouldn't even let him talk. They would not even let him talk. Censorship, quote. Some even insinuated that he only wanted their pity, that he was imagining things. Others flatly said that he had gone mad, unquote. So they thought he was nuts. They really did. Quote, as for Moishi, he wept and he and pleaded, Jews, listen to me. That's all I ask of you. No money, no pity. Please just listen to me. He kept shouting in the synagogue between the prayer at dusk and the evening prayer. Even I did not believe him, Ellie Weissel writes. I often sat with him after services and listened to his tales, trying to understand his grief, but all I felt was pity. They think I'm mad, he whispered, and tears like drops of wax flowed from his eyes. Once I asked him the question, why do you want people to believe you so much? In your place, I wouldn't care whether they believe me or not. He closed his eyes as if to escape time. You don't understand, he said in despair. You cannot understand. I was saved miraculously. I succeeded in coming back. Where did I get my strength? I wanted to return to Siget to describe to you my death so that you might ready yourselves while there is still time. Life? I no longer care to live. I am alone. But I wanted to come back to warn you. Only no one is listening to me. This was towards the end of 1942. So this was in the, actually in the 40s. So closer to the, to the end of the Nazi regime. He goes on to say, Thereafter, life seemed normal once again. London radio, which we listen to every evening, announced encouraging news. The daily bombings of Germany and Stalingrad, the preparation of the Second Front. And so we, the Jews of Saget, waited for better days that surely were to come, unquote. All right, so then he goes on to the spring of 1944. Quote, Splendid news from the Russian front. There could no longer be any doubt. Germany would be defeated. It was only a matter of time, months or weeks perhaps, unquote. And he was right. They were getting closer to the end of the war. However, let's continue. Quote, The trees were in bloom. It was a year like so many others, with its spring, its engagements, its weddings, and its births. The people were saying the Red Army is advancing with giant strides. Hitler will not be able to harm us, even if he wants to. Yes, we even doubted his resolve to exterminate us. Annihilate an entire people? Wipe out a population dispersed throughout so many nations? So many millions of people? By what means? In the middle of the 20th century? Unquote. Yeah, it was just a wacky conspiracy theory. I gotta tell ya. Quote, even Moishi the beetle had fallen silent. He was weary of talking. He would drift through synagogue or through the streets, hunched over, eyes cast down, avoiding people's gaze. In those days, it was still possible to buy emigration certificates to Palestine. I had asked my father to sell everything, to liquidate everything, and to leave. I'm too old, my son, he answered. Okay, so eventually he goes on to say, quote, German troops penetrated the Hungarian territory with the government's approval, and people finally began to worry. He goes on to say that a friend of his told him that the Jews of Budapest live in an atmosphere of fear and terror. Anti-Semitic acts take place every day in the streets and on the trains. The fascists attack Jewish stores and synagogues. Situations becoming very serious. And he says that the news spread through his town. The news spread like wildfire throughout his town. And it was all that people talked about for a while, but not for long. Quote, 
Optimism soon revived. The Germans will not come this far. They will stay in Budapest for strategic reasons, for political reasons. But in less than three days, German army vehicles made their appearance on our streets, unquote. So he goes on to describe the German soldiers showing up in his town. And yet he says, our first impressions of the Germans were rather reassuring. And they actually stayed in private homes, even in Jewish homes, apparently. And their attitude towards their host, he writes, was distant but polite. Quote, a German officer lodged in the Khan's house across the street from us. We were told he was a charming man, calm, likable, and polite. Three days after he moved in, he brought Mrs. Khan a box of chocolates. The optimists were jubilant. Well, what did we tell you? You wouldn't believe us. There they are, your Germans. What do you say now? Where is their famous cruelty? Yep, everything was fine. Everything was okay. What Moishi was talking about was just wacky conspiracy theory. Gotta think positive, folks. Don't be negative. Don't be a Debbie Downer. Nothing's wrong. Then suddenly things began to take a turn for the worst. On the seventh day of Passover, he writes, the curtain finally rose. The Germans arrested the leaders of the Jewish community. From that moment on, everything happened very quickly. The race towards death had begun. First edict. Jews were prohibited from leaving their residences for three days under, under penalty of death. Moishi the beetle came running to our house. I warned you, he shouted, and left without waiting for a response. So here's how it starts. When they tell you you can't leave your house, you're forced to stay in the house. He goes on, uh, quote, the same day the Hungarian police burst into every Jewish home in town. A Jew is henceforth forbidden to own gold, jewelry, or any valuables. Everything had to be handed over to the authorities under penalty of death, unquote. So they started confiscating people's possessions. Okay, he goes on, quote, three days later, a new decree. Every Jew had to wear the yellow star, unquote. So certain things began to happen. First, they started seeing the military marching through their streets and staying in their community. And then they all of their valuables taken from them. And then they were forced to wear this yellow star. So forced to wear a piece of cloth in that, that represented something. So uh, still there were people who were optimistic. Quote, my father's view was that it was not all bleak or perhaps he just did not want to discourage the others to throw salt on their wounds. The yellow star, so what? It's not lethal, unquote. And of course, it, as you read the book, you find out what happens to Wiesel's father later on. He, um, then he talks about the ghettos. Quote, two ghettos were located in Saget. A large one in the center of town occupied four streets and another smaller one extended over several Several alleyways on the outskirts of town. The street we lived on, Serpent Street, was in the first ghetto. We therefore could remain in our house. But as it occupied a corner, the windows facing the street outside, the ghetto had to be sealed. We gave some of our rooms to relatives who had been driven out of their homes, unquote. So that was the next step was, you know, people were forced to live in a certain, certain areas. Now, it's just interesting to read about this, to learn how people who were used to being free, used to living in a democratic society. I mean, Germany, this, this was not Germany. Of course, this was in Romania where he lived in his book, but Germany where Hitler took over was a very democratic country when Hitler got into power. 
And there are some historians who write about how big businesses helped Hitler get into power. Yes, big businesses. Anyway, here's the odd thing. One thing to notice if you do get a chance to read this book, Night, and I do encourage you to read it because it's not a very long book, actually. You could almost read it. You could pretty much read it in one day if you wanted to. It's disturbing, unsettling, not very pleasant. But it is history and it is good to know. What's fascinating about it is the behavior of people, how complacent people were, how accepting people were as the Nazis came in and little by little took away their civil liberties and began arresting people and, and killing people and torturing people and how people just kind of let it happen. This is what's really disturbing because this has happened over and over again throughout history. We need to understand that human beings will let incredible atrocities to be committed. They will sit back passively and allow horrible things to happen. We need to understand that so that we don't repeat history. This is what I'm saying. Here's what Wiesel goes on to say in his book, quote, little by little, life returned to normal. Life returned to normal. This is after people had been, their lives had been disrupted. Remember, people had been removed from their town, disappeared from their town, arrested for, for no reason other than their ethnicity. And now they're being required to wear a yellow star. Their valuables were taken from them. And they were forced to move out of their homes and move into a ghetto, a neighborhood, an area they were forced to live in be just because of their ethnicity, because they were Jewish. The barbed wire, uh, quote, the barbed wire that encircled us like a wall did not fill us with real fear. In fact, we felt this was not a bad thing. We were entirely among ourselves. A small Jewish republic, a Jewish council was appointed, as well as a Jewish police force, a welfare agency, a labor committee, a health agency, a whole governmental apparatus. People thought this was a good thing. We would no longer have to look at all those hostile faces, endure those hate-filled stares. No more fear, no more anguish. We would live among Jews, among brothers, unquote. So listen to this. This is very important, people. They find themselves surrounded by barbed wire, and they accept it as normal, and they're happy with it, content with it. Don't dismiss this, people. Don't dismiss this as, oh, well, that's how they were that back then. That's how those people were. No, this is how we are as humans. We will take a lot of abuse from governmental authority, from authority figures. There's a dark side to human nature. We will allow authority figures to take away a lot of our civil liberties. Once we're frightened and we feel, we feel vulnerable, we feel that we're weak, we will give up everything and allow these authority figures to just take over and we won't fight back. When you think about the millions of people who were tortured and murdered by the Nazis, and you know there were fewer Nazis than there were victims right? Millions of victims, but you know, they, they were, everyone was so afraid, so trapped in their fear and in their desire to do the right thing, to do what they were told and just trust that things would just magically get better and being positive, looking at the bright side. All right, I'm going to read just a little bit more. Quote, of course, there were still unpleasant moments. Every day, the Germans came looking for men to load coal into the military trains. Volunteers for this kind of work were few. But apart from that, the atmosphere was oddly peaceful and reassuring. Most people thought we would remain in the ghetto until the end of the war, until the arrival of the Red Army. Afterward, everything would be as before. The ghetto was ruled neither by neither German nor Jew. It was ruled by delusion. The ghetto was ruled by delusion, unquote. 
So weeks later, he refers to a sunny spring day. He says people were seemingly carefree, hanging out in the streets. They exchanged cheerful greetings. Children played games, rolling hazelnuts on the sidewalks. Some schoolmates and I were in Ezra Malik's garden studying a Talmudic treatise. Night fell, and he said suddenly a gate opened, and a former shopkeeper, who was now a policeman, entered and took his father aside. And Wiesel's father said he's been summoned to a special meeting. He doesn't know what why, but he has to go. Okay, so then uh, one night, Wiesel's father is taken aside and told that the ghetto needs to be, quote, liquidated entirely. Departures were to take place street by street starting the next day. Where will they take us? He asks. Oh, that was a secret, a secret for all except one, the president of the Jewish council, but he would not tell or could not tell. The Gestapo had threatened to shoot him if he talked. There are rumors, my father said, his voice breaking, that we are being taken somewhere in Hungary to work in the brick factories. It seems that here we are too close to the front. After a moment's silence, he added, each of us will be allowed to bring his personal belongings, a backpack, some food, a few items of clothing, nothing else. Again, heavy silence. Go and wake the neighbors, said my father. They must get ready, unquote. So there they were. They were all told that they would have to get up, gather their belongings, and leave. And they were going to be taken somewhere. They don't know where. And so they just did it because the authorities told them to do it. The authorities told them to do it. And so they just blindly obeyed. I've done some reading on the Holocaust. I've got this weird fascination with it. And... I have a theory, and it's just my theory, but World War II ended in the 1940s, okay? Beginning in the 1950s, if you read about U.S. history, the beatniks began. They were poets, they were rebels, and that culminated in the 60s with the hippies, who were very rebellious, and then started to wane in the 70s when the government pushed back and the powers that be pushed back against the hippies, I believe, to shut down that whole movement. And I think that this anti-authoritarian movement that culminated in the 60s was in part, anyway, a rebellion against World War II. I think that when people saw what happened with Hitler and the Nazis, I think that a lot of people around the world saw the danger of blindly obeying authority figures and became very skeptical and very suspicious of people in positions of authority and decided they were not going to just follow authority anymore. That's just my theory. Yes, I know about the McCarthy era in the 50s. That happened too. And that could also have been part of it too, was just we can't, we can't just trust these authority figures. Just because somebody has power and money and prestige doesn't mean that they're smarter than us or that they know more than us. That was the mindset. Now we seem to be moving back towards the way people were in the 30s when Hitler got into power, where we're, we're adopting this mindset of, oh, if you have authority, you must be better than me. And that's where this, this is science rhetoric comes from. This is science. This is science. Are you a scientist? Are you a medical professional? It's all about obeying authority figures. You know what? I don't need to be a scientist. I don't need to be a medical professional. I don't need to be a doctor to be able to read about coronaviruses and learn about how they mutate frequently. There's no such thing as a cure for the common cold. A vaccine is not appropriate. Doesn't make sense. We don't have a high mortality rate for this new coronavirus. So why are we shutting down the country, shutting down the world? Why have I seen images of police brutality around the world, people getting beaten up, getting abused, 
by the police because the police are trying to protect them from catching a virus? Are you kidding me? I'm going to protect you from catching a virus. I'm going to beat the crap out of you if you don't if you don't stay in your place. Stay over there. That does not make logical sense. It does not make logical sense. Their true motive is to protect people's health, but they're beating up on people? Come on. This whole notion of social distancing happens to appear at a time when there are rebellions around the world against economic inequality. Here in the United States, people supporting Bernie Sanders and advocating for social change quite, quite radically and aggressively demanding social change. How convenient, how convenient for the powers that be to step in and say, oh, you need to socially distance. Don't get close to other people. Oh, that. That works out quite well, doesn't it? At a time when there's mass rebellion around the world. Just tell people that they can't get close to each other or they might catch something. So here's just a friendly reminder from history. The Jews in Europe were warned many times, many times, that there was a plot to kill them, to throw them in concentration camps, to torture them and murder them. A few paid attention to the warnings and, and got out when they could, but most people ignored the warnings as crazy conspiracy theories. Even when this man, Moishi, managed to escape the Nazis when they arrested him and, and shot him, he managed to escape. Clearly something had happened to him, and yet the people would not believe him. They wouldn't listen to him when he told them his story. Look, this is what happened to me. So we need to understand what we're dealing with here, with human nature. People have a very hard time believing in some of the evil actions that some people engage in. And in a way, it's a good thing because it means that most people are pretty good hearted. You know, most people don't want to take over the world. So it's hard for them to understand that there are people who do. There are people who do bad things. But most people are so good-hearted that they have a hard time understanding that. This is not craziness. This is not conspiracy theory. People in positions of power conspire all the time to maintain their power and control over others. This should not surprise anyone. But unfortunately, we've got a population of people who don't know a lot about history, who don't know about these historic facts and who don't know a lot about politics. I actually believe that kids in school should learn about politics. In other words, about power and how power is wielded, how it operates, what it's like to be in a situation where you have to manage people and try to control people. I think that's something that kids should study because politics is a subject. It's like chemistry or biology or algebra or any subject you can think of. It's a subject that can be studied, actually. You can major in political science in college. So just like any subject, some people are good at it and some aren't. Some people don't understand algebra. Others are very good in algebra. You know, some people are good writers, some aren't. So a lot of people really don't understand the subject of politics. It goes right over their heads. And again, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that most people don't have this desire to take over the world, to manage and control other people. So we somehow need to explain this to people, to get people to see that there are people who do have this desire to control us. And right now, they have gotten tremendous power. In a sense, you could say that Hitler never died. The Nazis never died. Ideas are bulletproof, and that includes bad ideas. So we still have these people in our world who want to take over. They're still there. Are we going to repeat history? Are we going to be like, like the Jews 
in Europe, Nazi-occupied Europe, and sit back and just say, oh, that's a crazy conspiracy theory. And then when the Nazis come to our town and they tell us, pack up, you need to leave, we're going to move you somewhere, just passively go along with it. Is that really what we're going to do? We need to resist people. We need to. How do we do that? Well, not so easy. Not so easy. Whoops. Looks like we've run out of time. This was a great conversation. I hope we can continue it. So what do you think? Do you think the government is managing this coronavirus properly? Telling us to just stay home and not get sick? How long can we maintain this social distancing? After all, humans are social animals, right? So let us know in the comments. We'd love to know what you think. And until next time, occupy your mind. Occupy yourself. Think for yourself. Think independently. Think. So if you like shows like this that express alternative viewpoints, do give it a like or subscribe. Show some support. Show some love. We'd appreciate it so very much.